Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. Our scripture this morning in our Follow Me series comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 39 to 44. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So did you know that during the 1800s, many were very concerned about people being buried alive? There had been real instances of people seemingly rising from the dead at their memorial services during that time. And so it made people have disturbing thoughts about their loved ones being buried alive, waking up and then dying because they couldn't get out of the coffin. So inventors came up with all sorts of ideas about how to make sure the person buried had a way to let people know they weren't really dead if that kind of thing happened. They invented what was called the safety coffin. There were many versions and even upgrades, but the gist was that there was a string attached to the limbs of the supposed deceased, and that string went up through the ground above and was attached to a bell. It was believed that if the person woke up, the limbs would move, pull the string, and ring the bell. And the families would also pay for a watchman to stay in the cemetery to listen for the bell and dig them up if needed. Just so you know, despite its popularity, There were no known cases of a safety coffin ever actually saving someone. And for all those we bury now, we don't have to worry about people being buried alive. Embalming and cremation have pretty much made it certain that everyone is actually dead without a doubt before they are buried. Now I think we've always been creatures who have a desire to save things from death, whether plants or animals or people. We go to extreme measures to extend our lives, to keep plants alive, to discover new ways to give life or longer life to pretty much anyone or anything. We don't like the thought of death. There's something really good about cheating death or living against all odds. It's like a victory when we can overcome death in some way, however small. I love watering a wilting plant and watching it as it comes back to life and stands upright again. That happens a lot at my house. We cheer when people ring the bell after finishing their chemo treatments. Death did not win, at least not yet, because we know it will eventually. Death comes to us all, but 
Any way we can put it off or make it wait gives us joy, gives us hope. And we've all experienced death in some form or another, certainly not our own, but then again, many people have at one time or another felt dead or at least not fully alive. Is that you? Someone has killed our dreams, killed our self-esteem, told the world, told us the world would be better if we had never been born. Now you may think that's harsh, but I know people who were actually told that by their own parents. We are all born into this life with hopes and dreams, and every day is a gift, but somewhere along the way, death tries to muscle its way into those hopes and dreams, tries to kill who we are, who we were created to be, and leave us in our graves, abandoned and running out of air, no string to ring the bell for help. Last week we heard Jesus say, follow me. And this morning, as we listen to the call of Jesus, we hear his words of life, the words that conquer death, come out. Jesus calls us out of our graves, graves of all shapes and sizes, and into new life. So let's listen to that call. Now, this is a miracle story for sure. I mean, seeing Lazarus come to life after he had been dead for days is way better than watching plant leaves freshen up. Again, I challenge you to read the whole story, beginning with verse 1 of chapter 11. And Lazarus, the brother of the famous Mary, and Martha gets sick and dies. Jesus is not around, but he gets word to come, yet he waits for two full days. When he heads out, the disciples are concerned about the threats of death he had been receiving and wants him to stay where he is safe. But Jesus insists on going. Now Thomas, yes, the one who will be forever known as Doubting Thomas, makes a bold statement, which I want you to remember. He says, let us also go, that we may die with him. Remember that. And they leave, and when Jesus arrives, Lazarus has been in the tomb for at least three days, dead for four. Jews are required to be buried within 24 hours. Now, there's been a lot of commentary over the years as to why Jesus waited two days before leaving to save his friend. Jesus says in verse 14, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. It was a full day's journey to Bethany from where he was, and this is key. If we understand that the current belief was that someone's soul lingered near the body for three days, just in case there was a chance of revival. So death wasn't considered truly final until the fourth day. Jesus arrives at the tomb on the fourth day to make sure everyone knew that what would happen next could not be misconstrued as someone being buried alive, but that Lazarus was really dead before Jesus arrived. And Martha runs out to meet him, and they talk, and then Mary comes to see him, and they all go to the tomb together, including the crowd that had been mourning their loss with them. Grief is always easier to handle when you're surrounded by people who care, right? Jesus comes to the tomb and tells them to roll the stone away. Large stones were put in the entrances to keep out thieves and to let people know they were in use as well as very smelly, which is what Martha tells us. Lord, there is already a stench because he has been dead for days. 
She bears witness to the known fact that he is truly dead by now. Now, there's a couple of things I want to point out. First, there's a stone in front of the tomb. I know you heard that already, but there's a stone there. Not only does it keep thieves out, but it keeps Lazarus in. Jesus knows that he will give him his life back, but he needs to be able to get out of the tomb, so the stone has to go. Second, Jesus tells the people there to remove it. Why does he do that? Jesus is about to bring a dead man back to life. Can't he roll the stone away himself too? Of course he can. So why does he ask them to do it? We'll talk about that in a minute. Third, dead bodies stink. And that smell is very unique. And no one really wants to smell it. It permeates everything. And you can't get away from it. Like the stone, it can be a barrier for anyone going near. Then Jesus looks to heaven and prays, and he prays a prayer of gratitude for his relationship with his father, that he always hears him, and he knows he doesn't even have to speak out loud for God to hear his prayers. He prays out loud for the benefit of those around him who may not understand that God is the one giving him the power to raise the dead. Once the stone is gone and that concern for the smell of death is waved away, Jesus cries in a loud voice, come out. And out he comes, still bound up like a mummy, unable to really walk, talk, or see. But he comes. Life has won over death. And Jesus tells them to unbind him and let him go, set him free. What was once dead is now alive. They have all witnessed a miracle, seen the power of God, and now they can truly believe that Christ is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior. They have seen, really seen the power of Christ, and now they can believe and have faith in Christ. But not everyone does, right? Some will walk away with their rationalizations of how that happened, how Lazarus, ah, he was alive all the time. That was a magic trick and nothing more. Some will plot to take his life. This miracle is, for Jesus, the beginning of the end, the moment that truly begins his journey to the cross. So why does he do it? See, all along, Jesus has pointed to the cross, his own death for the salvation of the world, but not many have understood what he is talking about. And we know that even Peter tries to talk Jesus out of his plan to go to Jerusalem and die. And we marvel at how that could be, how even the disciples didn't understand at all, after all they had seen him do, all they had heard him teach. But as human beings, we're all kind of like that, really, if you think about it. Jesus tells the disciples that they were going to Lazarus, and he was glad he was not there when Lazarus died for their sake, so they would believe. And that says to me that Jesus expects them to see what will happen to Lazarus, witness him rising from the dead at Christ's command, and then finally truly believe he is who he says he is and needs to do what he says he needs to do, which is die for the sins of the world. See, then believe. 
All through the Bible, God's people are called to see, then believe. How many times does Moses remind the Israelites of the many miracles God performed to save them? The parting of the Red Sea, the provision of water in the desert, manna from heaven every morning, clothes and sandals that never wore out, and on and on. You've seen it. How can you still not believe it? Jesus performs miracles throughout his ministry, healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, feeding thousands with just a few loaves and a couple of fish, turning water into wine, and I could go on and on. And yet even the disciples struggle knowing who Jesus really is, that he is the Messiah, God in the flesh on earth. Now faith, by definition, is believing something you cannot see. We can't see God, yet faith calls us to believe that God exists anyway. If we look around, we can see evidence of God at work in the world, in our own lives, and that can help us to believe, but something Jesus says to Martha here changes the script. He says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So instead of seeing Then believing, Jesus tells Martha to believe so she can see. And I think this is key because we fail all the time to have faith, even when we do see miracles. Look at how many people went away that day, not believing at all, but more determined than ever to have Jesus put to death. Martha believed. She tells him before they get to the tomb that she believes that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. She believes. And we see that faith in action as she helps roll the stone away. In her head, she knows her brother is dead and desecrating his tomb will not look very good to her friends. But her faith causes her to follow Christ's instructions, even when she can not possibly know what will happen next. Her faith comes before the miracle. Without her faith, I'm not sure the miracle would have happened. That's why Jesus tells them to roll the stone away. It is an act of faith. This faith sets the stage for the miracle to happen, and it does. Jesus prays on the power of God and then calls to Lazarus, come out. He rises from the dead and hobbles out, still wrapped in his burial clothes. And with the help of those around him, he emerges fully into life. So what does that mean for us? We're obviously not dead yet, right? But maybe we are. See, without faith, we are trapped in this life without hope for the future. If we can't hear the call of Jesus, the one who gives life, then we are just as dead as Lazarus. This life, this world is full of the smell of death, arguing, bullying, wars, suffering from abuse, Racism, dwindling resources, natural disasters, global warming, division, acts of hate and violence, mass shootings, oppressive leaders, and we could go on and on. But we can feel dead inside because of all that, but also because of our own mistakes, our own sins that we don't even want to acknowledge. 
addictions, the labels people put on us, the labels we put on ourselves. And fear and anxiety can keep us trapped in the grave of depression, leaving us hopeless. Fear of not measuring up. Fear of making the wrong decisions, not having enough. Fear of the next crisis, of growing up and having to take responsibility. Fear of loss, fear of failure, fear of letting go, fear of not getting the answers to our prayers. And all these things are like the stones at the entrance to those tombs that we find ourselves buried in. And faith, faith is the only thing that can remove those stones. Jesus calls to us to come out. And faith has to come first. Can we believe so that we will see what God can do when we step out in faith? This morning we had six young people confirming their faith in Christ, stepping out of their tombs into new life. They were all baptized as children, and now they stood today in front of their church family, ready to roll away their stones, come out of their tombs and into the light by faith. Now I asked you to remember what Thomas had said, let us also go that we may die with him. Now I don't think Thomas actually believed that they would die, and we really don't know if he meant Jesus or Lazarus, but I believe he meant Jesus. And in our baptism, we go under the water and die to our old selves, die with Christ to our sins, and then rise to new life with Christ. Our confirmands were confirming their faith, following the command of Christ to come out and rise from the dead to new life. And as they did, they once again received the power of the Holy Spirit, and they saw the glory of God in their lives. And they will continue to do so if they continue to walk with him by faith, to follow Jesus throughout their lives. Believe and then see. And that's a lesson for us all. As we put our faith in Christ, then we will see miracles as we rise to new life in Christ. Then as people of faith, we are called to approach the tombs that others find themselves in. Face the smell of death that lingers everywhere and help them rise to new life and see what God will do as they walk out of their tombs. So it's our job to show the world a life of faith, a life that loves people where they are, whether or not they have come out of their tombs and whether or not they are still bound up in their darkness. Just like Jesus loves you no matter where you are, in or out of the tomb, still bound up or not. So love God, love others, and let our faith set the world free. Set the stage for miracles. Open the tombs of our lives through the power of Christ. So come out and rise and be free in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat>